planting for the gospel. And as Al mentioned earlier, this is connected to something that is happening here at West Park. So if you're new to West Park, you should know that we are in the process of looking to plant a new church further west in Knox County. And it's been an exciting time. We were able to share that vision with the church on March 6th and then share a little bit about that journey and how God, has, God got us to this place. And then on March 20th, we had a time of question and answer. Uh, and we're just able to discuss that as a church family. Um, and since the 6th, we've been in a season of prayer. In fact, we have uh, right at 500 folks uh, joining us in prayer uh, through prayer uh, email updates. Um, and it's been an exciting season. Um, it's been interesting and, and, and humbling um, to see how God has already provided for us in this journey and how God has provided uh, in going ahead of us. Uh, we've heard stories of, of people uh, who said, hey, I've been praying for this for years. And we are like, wow, really? You know, one person said, do you remember the, the night of dreams all those years ago? We're in here on a Sunday evening and sharing some of our dreams as we prayed about what God might have for us. One person come, came and said, that was my dream, that West Park would plant a church. Talk to others who have said, oh, I've, I've thought this for years that we should do this. So I guess we're a little slow. Um, but it's been so amazing uh, just to see how God is out in front, right? You think, you, you, we think maybe we're gonna bring y'all into this conversation and God's just bringing us into the conversation he's already been having with his people. Um, so it's been really fun to see that. But let me tell you, this series is not about church planning, okay? This series is not about church planning. This series is about planting for the gospel, and all of us are involved in that mission. All of us are planting for the gospel. Certainly one application of that would be to go and do this work of planting a church. But for anyone who longs to see the gospel get out, you are a gospel planter and you're called to that work. If you're an Awana worker, you're a gospel planter. If you lead a growth group, you're planting for the gospel. If you work in a D group, you're planting for the gospel. If you work in one of these ministries we saw earlier, working in our local impact ministry, working with international friends, working with the community care center, working with Sherry and the, the His Abilities ministry, you are planting for the gospel. And for me, you know, I, I'm in full-time gospel work, but I'll tell you where God's doing the most work in my life is as a parent, right? I, as a parent, I am planting for the gospel. And God has been breaking my heart and deepening my heart to see the gospel planted and take hold in my family. And I know many of you would say the same thing, maybe as a, as a parent of a child or a parent of an adult child, or maybe you're thinking of a grandchild right now, or, or maybe you're thinking of a close friend or a sibling, or a roommate, that you long to see the gospel take hold. You long to see the gospel seed planted and take root. You're planning for the gospel. And so this series is for you. 
For all those who would say, oh, I would give anything to see the gospel take hold. This series is for you. This series is for any of you who are casting seed wherever you go. This series is for you who are longing to see these seeds planted, covered. It's for all of you who are praying over gospel seeds and your relationships right now. It's for those who are watering these seeds with your tears as you pray for lost loved ones. This series is for you. We're all planting for the gospel. So here's what we're up to this morning. We're gonna look at one passage in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. If you want to, you can go ahead and turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter three. And in this section we're gonna read, Paul's talking about this very idea that we are all planting for the gospel. Anyone engaged in gospel work who longs to see it go out, they are gospel planters. And Paul's going to confirm this, that we're gospel planters, and he's going to clarify what exactly that means. So let's, let's read this passage together, and let's see what Paul has to say about planting for the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we'll just read down through verse 9. Verse 1, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now I know this may seem like a strange place to jump into the letter of Corinthians. So let me give you just a little bit of background here. So Paul is writing a letter here to an early church in Corinth. And they're just a fledgling fellowship and they're having lots of issues. If we were to read all through the letter, letter of Corinthians, you would see all kinds of things going on in this church that Paul is having to deal with. But one thing that we see right away is that this church is dealing with factions and divisions. And we don't have all the details, but apparently uh, they're rallying around different church leaders. And it's gotten to the point all the way that there are these slogans now being said, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. And so in the opening three chapters of this letter, Paul writes to address this issue. And basically what he says is that the reason they're having these issues is because they have misunderstood the work of ministry and they have misunderstood the work of God. 
So to clear up this mess then, as we see in this section, Paul gives them a farming analogy to help explain to them the work of ministry and the work of God. And what he does with this farming analogy is he says that we, anyone who is seeking to see the gospel sent out, anyone who's working like that, an Awana volunteer, a growth group leader, a parent, an uncle, a friend, anyone working in this way, you are gospel farmers. He says, that's true. You are, we're working as farmers. We are gospel farmers. But... God is the grower. And this is the point he makes to the church in Corinth to clear up their misunderstandings, to address these factions. He says, you've got to know that you are gospel farmers, that, that those who work in the ministry are gospel farmers, but that God is the grower. Now, what I want to do is take that, that kind of big idea, that's kind of the overview of what he says. I want to take that and kind of unpack, okay, what, is, what does Paul mean by that? How does Paul develop that idea that those who spread the gospel are like farmers, but God is the grower? What does that mean? That's important to remember, and it's going to be important for us to remember as we go about our work as gospel planters. So let's jump into this. The first thing that Paul says about what it means to be a gospel farmer is that as a gospel farmer, you are a servant. So you are a gospel farmer. If you are in the work of spreading the gospel, you are like a gospel farmer. And as such, you are a servant. What does he say there in verse five? If you look back, he says, what's, what's Paul? What's Apollos? He says, servants through whom you believed. And as the Lord assigned to each. Paul said, I am a servant. Those who do this work of gospel planting are servants. And Paul often uses that imagery to characterize his ministry. He'll start letters that way. He'll speak of himself as a servant of Christ or a servant of the gospel. Now, sometimes he uses the Greek word doulos, which can be translated servant or bondservant or sometimes slave. In this case, he actually uses the word diakonos, which is where we get deacon, diakon, deacon. And that means to, to serve, to minister, to be deaconing. So he says, I am a servant. And being a servant tells us a lot about what gospel farming will be like, doesn't it? When Paul says, gospel farmers are servants, that tells you what the work will be like. That tells me that the work will be difficult. Right? Servants work hard. Servants often work in anonymity. They work with no glory. They often work with no thanks. They work hard. In fact, one of the best pictures of what we... Uh, what, what is intended by this idea of servanthood is the picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. At the end of his ministry, of all times, his disciples have this argument about who will be greatest among them. Who will be the leader? 
And he hears this, Jesus hears this, and he says to them, you guys are thinking about this in the wrong way. You're thinking about it the way the world does. And how does the world think about leadership and power? Well, they, they take it and they lord it over those who serve them. He says, but not so among you. He says, you all will be as servants. And he uses that word, diakonos. He says, you all will be as servants. And then just to make sure that they don't take that and you know, take it figuratively, oh, that's a nice idea, I'm a servant. He shows them, no, literally, you're gonna work as a servant. And he stoops down and he takes their dirty, dusty, callous, gross men feet and washes them. And says, this is what I mean. You'll be a servant. And Paul says, that's what it means to do gospel farming. So we're, we're servants. And Paul often spoke of just how hard and difficult his work was in ministry, how hard it was to plant the gospel. It's a lot of work. And you talk about the, the, the pain he had suffered, the shame, physical suffering, how much he worked with all his might. He was a servant. It was tough work. You know, the other thing about being a servant, if you think about it, is that the servant is not in control. The servant has no power in themselves, do they? So Paul says, you are gospel farmers. As such, you are a servant. And as such, you know, you're really not in control if you're a servant, right? What does he say? Each of us worked as servants, what? Assigned by the Lord. We weren't in control. God sent us. We were conduits. We weren't the thing itself. We were servants through whom you believed. We weren't the miracle. We were just the conduit of what God was doing. We're servants assigned by the Lord. And that makes sense, right? You think about it, if a servant were to come to you today, and I know we don't really have servants today, but, but imagine a king sending to you a servant and the servant brings to you a wonderful gift on behalf of the king. Now you might, you know, very naturally, get excited, high five the servant, you know, hug the servant. But it would be very foolish if you then knelt and swore your allegiance to the servant, right? It's the king who sent the servant. It's the king who had the power to send the servant. It's the king who had the power to give you the gift. It's the king and his riches that were shared with you. The servant was just a conduit. The servant was just assigned by the king. And this is what Paul says, the work of gospel farming is the work of a servant. And as a servant, it's hard work and you're really not in control. Now let, let that just sink in for a second. If you're working in gospel planting, if you're parenting, if you're leading a small group, if you're praying for someone, let that hit you for a second. You are a servant. And as a servant, it is gonna be hard work, thankless work, long work. And you're not in control. Now we'll, we'll develop that a little bit further, but note that right now. It's hard work, you're not in control. You are a servant. 
So that's the first little part that, that Paul talks about when he says, with this farming analogy, though, that we are gospel farmers, and that means we're servants. But he continues to develop this idea. And the second thing he points out is that as gospel farmers, we are diverse but unified. We are diverse but unified. Right, look back at verse six. What does he say? He says, I planted Apollos watered. So he acknowledges there's different things going on, right? There's diversity. So perhaps Paul brought the gospel first to the people in Corinth, but now Apollos has come behind him and is watering, working, teaching, tending this gospel seed. And that's a fair point to make, right? As we think about this farming analogy, there's a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do on the farm, right? Now, I'm not a farmer, but, but I've seen movies about it. And, and I know that there's a lot, <laughs> a lot there. You think about all the tasks that have to be done. And the farmer is famous for rising early and going about all the work that must be done to see a harvest come in. You think about the, the fields that must be plowed, Think about the stumps that must be pulled up, rocks that must be moved, seed that's got to go out, watering, weeding, tending, chasing off varmints, you name it. There's a lot of work to be done. And then as the harvest comes in, right, there's even more work that's got to be done all at once. Got to get the, the harvest in. Got to process it, got to store it, got to sell it. It's all coming in. A lot of work to be done. So, you know, if you were a farmer and had a large, large family, you, you were thankful, right? It wasn't a burden to have a large family. It was, it was a wonderful thing to have a large family because there was a lot to be done. So you, there were some tasks that needed dad's strength. And he had to go do that. There were tasks that needed mom's nimble fingers. There were things that the boys had to do. Some chores the boys had to run down. There were some cho- chores the girls had to run down. And each person had their work. There's a lot of work to be done. And that's what Paul says. That's how gospel work is. There's different things going on. Sure, I planted. Apollos watered. Yeah, different things are going on. But what does he say? We're all one in that. So there's a diversity of gifts, but we're all one in that. God's given to his church all kinds of different gifts, talents, and inclinations, but we're all one. We're all serving together. And why is that? Because we're sharing in one harvest. Verse eight, Paul says, he who plants and he who waters are one. Because they're all working towards the same thing. They all wanna sit down at that final supper when they have all this produce, this wonderful harvest before them and enjoy it together. They're all working together. So whether you're out in the field or whether you're in the barn, you're cheering on the other person because it's all one harvest. So if you're in the barn, you're cheering for the person out in the field saying, do your job, we need you. And I'll be ready for you back here. And if you're out in the field looking at the one in the barn, you're saying, do your job, because I'm coming and I need you to do your part. So we can then share this harvest together. And that's what Paul says, as we work for the gospel, it's the same kind of thing. We are all different. God's made you each unique in your own way. But we're all one. We're all working together. We're all working for one harvest. That's an encouraging thought to me. Is it to you? That means you're okay in your gift. That means the way you're wired, that's good. 
We need that. You may have gifts that find you behind the scenes. You don't get a lot of glory. And you don't want to, you don't want to be up front. Praise the Lord, we need those gifts. You may be laboring away in, in uh, the children's wing or in the nursery or doing something. We need all that. You may have gifts that, that find you in the front. You may have gifts that are, that are more uh, upfront gifts that, that get pats on the back. You may be eloquent. You may be a teacher. We need all of that. You're okay in your gifting. And it's encouraging to think that you're gonna get to celebrate in the harvest as well. So whether your contribution is years of work serving anonymously in the nursery or whether you you get to do something up front and get all these pats on the back, all of us are gonna get to celebrate on that last day when we see the harvest come in. That's an encouraging thought. We are all one working together. And that's how God intended it, right? Gave us all these gifts that the church might be built up. So as gospel farmers, we are diverse, but we are unified. Now, on this last point I want to talk about, Paul makes one more statement about what it means to be a gospel farmer. So, we're, so he says, you know, think about this gospel planting thing as this farming analogy. Think about yourself, if you're engaged in this, if you're a minister in this, if you're a parent in this, think about yourself as a gospel farmer. That means you're a servant. That means there's a diverse group here, but we're unified, working together as farmers. And then at this last point, he's gonna make one more statement about this, but he's gonna turn the corner now and get us to that second part of the big idea that I mentioned here, right? That we are gospel farmers, but what? God is the grower. So he's gonna take us from what it means to be a gospel farmer and move us over to this statement, but God is the grower. So here's what he says. He says, as gospel farmers, in the grand scheme of things, we are nothing, but God is everything. We are nothing, but God is everything. And that makes sense, right? I mean, think about a, a farmer. Imagine a farmer coming out after you know, a great harvest and saying, look at me. Look what I did. I am the master of the universe. Look at this corn. Maybe you've done that if you've had, you know, a really good year or something. I don't know. <laughs> but that would be silly, right? When you think about all that went into that corn, we might say, well, did you hang the sun? Did you put the earth on its tilt and make the seasons? Did you set the earth in its orbit? Did you send the rains? Did you say to the sun rise and it rose? Did you make the seed with this molecular structure and its information that would tell it to germinate and grow and produce more seed? Did you do that? Well, no. Now, did the farmer have a job? Did the farmer have a role to play? Sure. But in the grand scheme of things, he's not much. And that's what Paul says in verse six. Look back at this passage with me. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God is the miracle maker. God is the grower. God is the one who brings new life not us. 
God is the one who works these miracles. Uh, a few weeks back, uh, Jess and I were out in the front yard and, and uh, we noticed the kids were parading around the front yard with a 30 pound bag of black oil sunflower seeds, right? We like to, have, we have a little bird feeder in the back and anybody like to watch birds? Um, I admit it, I watch birds. Um, hand me my old card now. Um, but we, we have this bag, it was sitting there and, and they had been in the middle of just doing a little bird feeder project. They had taken a stump that was in an old uh, flower bed, this old stump there, and had repurposed it and made the top into uh, a little bowl for, for these seeds. And so we saw them now parading through the yard with this bag, and we didn't think much of it until we realized that they had also cut a hole in the bag. And we're just spreading those seeds everywhere. And so we stood up and realized, sure enough, here are these stripes up and down our yard of black oil sunflower seeds and little piles where they had paused and it had filled up a little bit more. So calmly, <laughs> I, I gathered the, the seed bag there and, and realized, you know, it was more than I could really just kind of pick up. So I just decided, just, I'm just going to rake it out. Just kind of rake it out. And I mean, it was everywhere, okay? Um, don't judge me. All right, so, I, I, so I, I raked it out. And I really didn't think about it again. Um, I can honestly say I've never seen more squirrels <laughs> or birds in the front yard that next morning than I have since that, that day. Um, every morning I would go out and open the door and about 10 squirrels would scatter. Uh, Guilty looking. Um, but you know, weeks went by, they were eaten up, the, the squirrel population diminished, the birds started to go away, and we, we just kind of forgot about it. Until the other day, right? And we're sitting in our front yard enjoying this beautiful spring sunshine when we notice a strange plant. Some leaves we haven't seen, it doesn't really look like a blade of grass kind of poking up through some of this grass is starting to turn green. And of course, you all know, it took us a minute until we said, you don't think. Jess Googled it. Oh, yes. These are sunflower saplings coming up here. And And I tell you that story because it was a reminder to me how much I'm not in control. You know, what would have happened if I had planted sunflower seeds? It wouldn't have grown, I mean. (laughs) But we just, they just threw out all these seeds everywhere and we forgot about them. Squirrels ate them, birds ran off with them, some were washed away, but some took root. And quite apart from any thought or any work or any sweat or blood or tears, some other story was going on. God's the grower, I'm not the grower. That was a reminder to me that God is always working. There's these stories going on all the time, quite apart from what we're doing or thinking about. And, and if I might be philosophical, but, but just for a moment, I mean, if you even think about just all the little pieces that would have gone into just some of those seeds taking root. And by some, I mean like 50. Um, <laughs> but 
You know, even just like where they fell, which ones were taken away by birds, which ones were gobbled by squirrels, which one got just enough water, which one got too much water, which one fell on which soil. Well, really, I didn't control any of those things. But he said some would grow. And again, at that grand level, it's sun and seed and systems. That was his deal. He's the miracle worker. He's the grower, not me, not you. God is the one who brings growth. Now, do we have a part to play? Absolutely, right? And Paul, if we were to keep reading in this section, Paul's gonna go on to talk about how he's building and how we ought to build carefully. Um, He switches that analogy in that last little verse we read, verse nine, he goes from field to building and he starts to play with that analogy some. So there is a part to play, but again, in the grand scheme of things, he says, what is the gospel farmer? Not much. It's God, it's his story, it's his system. And God said that his gospel would bring light, that his gospel would create new people, that his gospel would remake people. He said that seed will be fruitful. And you see the Corinthians had gotten it all messed up. They were thinking technique, they were thinking leadership. And Paul's saying, no, God, gospel, And actually, that's what the whole first three chapters of 1 Corinthians is about. He starts off in chapter one talking a little bit about these divisions. And then it seems like he gets off track. He starts talking about the gospel and the power of the gospel versus the wisdom of a man. And then all of a sudden he jumps back in chapter three back to this division conversation. But he's making one point. The Corinthian believers were wanting to trade the power of the gospel, the wisdom of God, the power of God for leaders, for techniques, for for leadership skills. He's saying, you're missing it. The story belongs to God. He's the miracle worker. Who's Paul? Nothing, no one, nobody. God is everything. He says, "Don't, don't lose the power of the gospel. Don't lose the power of God chasing after some servant, some gospel farmer, not the miracle worker. Don't do that. Go after the miracle worker. Go after his story. And that's how Paul wraps up this section. Uh, In verse eight and nine, he says, he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Now, we kind of missed this in the English translation, uh, but but one commentator pointed out that if if you look in the Greek there, The emphasis is clearly on it's God working. If we were to look at the Greek, it it reads more like this. It says for, this is verse nine, for God's are we as fellow workers. God's field are you, God's building. It starts with God in every phrase. God's, 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 God's are we. We belong to God, God's field, God's building. It's not us. It's him. It is his story. We belong to him. So in the grand scheme of things, we're not much, but God is everything. So I hope now this this little statement makes more sense to you. I hope it's more significant to you that that if you're engaged in this work, you are a gospel farmer. And we're all called to be gospel farmers uh, as we share the gospel with those uh, that, that don't know Christ. 
But I hope this statement makes more sense to you that you are a gospel farmer, but God is the grower. You are a gospel farmer, but God is the grower. Now we're not quite done. This is actually when it kind of gets fun. So I had like 50 minutes today. Is everybody still good? We're good? Okay. I want to take just a second now. So let's just go with this idea. So let's say, okay, I'm with you, Derek. I see it. I see what Paul's doing here. I see how he's addressing the, the tension, the factions here. I see it. We're gospel farmers. Got to get your head around what that means. Servants, we work hard. Uh, we're diverse, but we're unified, but really we're not much. I get it. I'm with you. Now let's think for a second, okay, what would the implications of that be if that's true? That you're a gospel farmer, but God is the grower. What, what would that mean? So I want to just suggest to you a few application points for what this could mean. Now, I hope the Holy Spirit will apply it to you in your setting, in your context. But let me just suggest maybe a few things this might mean for us if it's true that we are gospel farmers, but God is the grower. First, if this is true, I think that should probably take us down a notch, shouldn't it? Maybe you're good looking or eloquent or a really good teacher, or maybe you're gifted in some area of business or whatever, and, and maybe you're seeing some fruit here and there, but God's the grower. God's the one working the miracles. You can't wake the dead. Only God and his gospel can do that. So as we think about this truth that, yeah, we're farming, but God's the grower, we should probably take ourselves down just a notch and realize that we are servants assigned by the Lord. Nothing more. Now the flip of that, I think another point of application would be that that should lighten the load a little bit. That thought should lighten the load. So as much as it should take you down a notch, it ought to lighten the load a little bit too. Because I know for many of you, your heart may be breaking for someone that you long to see get the gospel. Again, maybe you're thinking of a, a grandchild right now or a, a, a close buddy or a, a sibling or something, and you long to see them walking in righteousness, walking before the Lord, walking in his joy with his banner over them, accepting the gospel. And it's often in those relationships that we ask ourselves, what have we done wrong? Have you ever asked yourself that? Do you think about maybe your parenting or, or your friendship or whatever it is and you think, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And the answer is probably a lot of things. But praise God, you're not the grower. It's not all on you. God is working. God has power. God can do this. And he may work in a timing that we don't understand. He may work in a behind the scenes way that we don't see. But praise God that you're not the grower. He is. And that he loves us and he's working and he can do it. So I hope that will lighten the load for you. You're probably not the perfect parent or ABF teacher or growth group leader, but praise God, it's not all on you. God is the grower. I think this also should cause us to check our allegiances, right? If we are gospel farmers and God is the grower, I think we should think about, okay, where do our allegiances lie? Now, certainly as Christians, as the body of Christ, as the family of 
God, these are different images we get in the New Testament of the church, we, we belong to each other. We belong together. There's some responsibilities we have to one another as a family, as one body of Christ. But ultimately, there's only one head, Jesus. And we ultimately belong to him. He's the grower. He's the one who's writing the story. Right? What does Paul say? God's field, God's building. It's all his. God's are we. We belong to him. So if you're saying, well, I follow John Piper. Or I follow Ray Comfort. Oh, stop. You first and foremost follow God. You follow Jesus, our King. Now it's not that these other servants are bad, but we only follow them to the degree that they follow the Lord, right? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But that's the idea is that we're in line with Christ. We're following Christ. So we need to check our allegiances, right? We belong to Jesus. We're his field, his building. God's are we. And by the way, we could, we could kind of take this one and flip this application point around as well. Uh, I think there's maybe a tendency sometimes, uh, especially if you've maybe been somewhere for a while, to, to think that the church belongs to you, right? Or maybe you say, you don't mean to do this, but it just kind of creeps in. I, I've done this before where you think, well, I've been here for so long, or I've given so much, or I've worked so hard, I can't believe we're doing blank. But the church doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. We're following him. So we need to check our allegiances. Now, as just a side note, I wanna take just a second and just say a word to maybe those in the room who are, are skeptical, struggling with unbelief or doubt. And I wanna speak to you for just a minute as we think about this idea of God is the grower. It's his story. You could be in the room thinking, you know, I, I just, I, I can't get there. I think about the preachers that I see on TV. I think about some of the stories I see in the news. I think about the insensitivity that I see uh, practice in the church and our culture. And I can't get there. I can't accept God. I can't accept this good news. Well, I wanna ask you this morning, if this is true, that these gospel farmers are just farmers and God is the grower, could it be that you are evaluating and rejecting the wrong person? Could it be that you're evaluating and rejecting the wrong thing? Could it be that you're looking at some TV preacher and saying, well, I just, if that's what it means, I can't do it. And God's saying, well, I don't like that guy either. Amen. Right. <laughs> and, and God is saying to you this morning, I'm asking you to look at me I'm asking you to hear my gospel. I'm asking you to read the gospels in the Bible and see my son. I know my servants get a little messy. I know that. I'm not asking you to get wrapped up in that. I'm asking you to follow me first. Right, he had to do that to Peter one time. He said, what is it to you? You follow me. Peter's getting worried about other people. And Jesus said to Peter, no, you follow me. So could it be this morning that maybe you've been evaluating, rejecting the wrong thing, the wrong person, and God this morning saying, Look, I'm the grower. It's my gospel, it's my story. Look at me. I'm asking you to follow me.
Start there. A couple more quick application points and we're done. As we think about this idea that you're a gospel farmer, God is the grower, this also tells us how we're gonna work, right? The work's gonna be done on our knees in prayer, isn't it? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna work hard, we're gonna spread the gospel, you're gonna read parenting books, you're gonna uh, work hard to share the gospel with your neighbor, but the work's gonna go forward on our knees as we pray. We're gonna have to trust the Lord. We're gonna have to have faith. We're gonna have to wait on his timing. And if this is anything like farming, it might take a long time to see the first crop, right? You might plant some corn and see it that year, but if you plant an apple tree, you're gonna wait a long time before you get a good apple. And I think spiritual work is sometimes like that because we're not in control and we're waiting on the Lord. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna wait, we're gonna seek his face, we're gonna trust, we're gonna hope, and we're gonna have faith that he is working and is going to work. And one final point of application is I think this truth, that we are gospel farmers, but God is the grower, I think that should sweeten the gospel for us. I think that should sweeten the gospel. And when you think about that, really in the grand scheme of things, we are nothing. But God rescues us. What wondrous love is this? that he would die for sinners like us. Paul, in the height of his ministry, working as, a God, as, a, as an apostle, says, really, I'm not much. How much less are we? But that God would rescue us, love us, save us, sanctify us, change us. That he would take creatures like us that he formed out of the dust and then invite us into his story and say, come be co-laborers with me. That's incredible. That he would take your desert life and say, I'll give you springs of living water. And out of this will sprout the fruit of life. Take your dry heart Make it a lush paradise for a new life. It's an incredible gospel story. And he still invites us to that today. He says, you know, to anyone who would repent of their sins and believe on his name, he says, I will give you forgiveness. I will give you these streams of living water. I will bring new life in you. There'll be a harvest of new life in you. And he says, you can then join me in this story. Join me as a co-laborer. Join me as one who plants the gospel. He says, you only need to call on my name. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, We thank you first for this good news, Lord, that, that you rescue us, that you come down from heaven in your son and rescue us. Lord, we could not climb up to heaven. We could not reach up to you, but you came down to us, lived among us and worked among us and preached the good news and won for us redemption on the cross through your son. Thank you, Father, for this good news. I pray for anyone this morning who 
has maybe been so distracted by your servants or churches that make the headlines, Lord, I pray that they would see you today, that they would hear you clearly today, your call to yourself, that they would hear your call to the good news. I pray they'd be encouraged to look to you and accept this good news. And Father, I pray for those of us who are laboring and planting the gospel. And I know there may be many out there this morning whose hearts are breaking for someone. And I just wanna pray encouragement. Lord, I pray that they would be encouraged to know you are there working with them long before they even knew to pray. You were thinking of these individuals and creating a plan and intending that the gospel should go out, that there should be hope and renewal. May they be encouraged to know that you are working, that there is power, that there is hope that you are the grower and that you are good. So Lord, may we go out today under that banner. May we serve, but may we serve from this place of rest, knowing that you are working. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for being here this morning. You are dismissed.